Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
Welcome, everyone, to America Meditating Radio. That was Om Shanti by Kristen Hoffman, a gift that was offered at our seventh annual America Meditating Retreat. It is my pure wish that the moment you opened your eyes, you felt a sense of purpose and meaning, that you were also grateful, grateful for the fact that you've got breath and maybe one person that you love or one person who loves you. It doesn't matter. Even if it's the smallest of thing that you find gratitude for, please put some energy in it. We're going to need it. As we navigate through these very profound times of our rude and necessary awakening, we're finding that there's a great deal of power in our beings, but maybe we just didn't have the time to observe it. Today we have Heather Evans, who is an award-winning communications professional, an ICF certified coach, and a member of Harvard's Institute of Coaching. But she is also the CEO of Pivot Coaching in Los Angeles. Over the last few decades, Heather has been dedicated to the movement to uplift human consciousness through emotional intelligence, communications, and personal growth, programs that teach the latest practices and principles in spiritual psychology and neuro leadership. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Heather Evans to America Meditating Radio. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Sister Jenna. What a total delight to be a part of the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Thank you for your good wishes. Heather, a good friend of ours, put us in connection, the amazing Diane Hayworth, and I'm so happy about that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I understand that you're a long-time meditator and you started Transcendental Meditation when you were quite young. Could you tell us a little backstory of how you started your practice? Yes, I suppose. I mean, just gratitude for how life unfolds. I just happened to be born into parents who had just discovered Transcendental Meditation and were so moved by it that they actually joined the staff of folks who were supporting Maharishi Mahesh Yogi in his vision to bring transcendental meditation, its practices and principles to the West. So because of my parents choosing in to meditation in such a big way, I actually was instructed at age three with a walking mantra and then a sit-down technique at age 10. And um, I'm 50 now. So I'm very grateful that I've always had that practice available to me, and it's made a big difference in my life. Are you still doing the walking meditation? Because I like those. You know, Heather, I like to be able to be in a good place internally while I'm physically moving around. I'm not the kind of person that believes just sitting down and meditating always, over and over again, is taking me to enlightenment. I want to see if what I'm feeling and experiencing in my meditations, if they're being revealed in my behavior, in my choices, my relationships. Is the walking meditation still a practice for you? And can you tell me how you actually did that? Yeah, when I hear what you're saying, and I totally agree, it's so important to go into the silence and yet also bring out from the silence the inner peace and wisdom into activity. If we're sitting all the time and not bringing out that inner knowing, that shift in consciousness out into the world, then it's only halfway done the job. That's my perspective as well. 
So, you know, but I do a combination of things from movement meditations to seated meditations. And the idea for me of meditation is there are so many ways that we can live our life in a way that meditation is a part of our daily practice. And literally, we can be engaged in that, even in conversation, depending on how we hold the idea, right, of meditation and how it gets lived in our lives. Indeed, beautiful. One of the underpinnings of your work is communication. Could you tell us what is it about communication that is actually so transformational? It's such a huge thing. I mean, the best leaders should have a beautiful way of communicating, and we're also living through a particular time where certain leadership, they're communicating in a way that's birthing a different generation of individuals, which might not necessarily be very respectful to someone who's different than they are. So what kind of a communication perhaps you could share with us that could also be very transformative or transformational in our lives? Yeah, you know, you said it beautifully. We are creators each one of us, and we create through our thoughts, and thoughts are a language-based system. So in the work that I do, which came from my own journey, that led me from communications as a professional communicator to exploring psychology and neurobiology and how we can work with ourselves to create a more uplifted environment in our own homes, in our communities, in our circles of friends, in our world. And the work that I do is really about how to shift from what I would consider the weakest part of ourselves, which would be the unconscious negative emotions running us. That's what the weaker part of ourselves really is. It's our brains running on the stress chemicals, negative thinking and anxiety and irritability versus the strongest part of ourselves. And that happens in the brain. It happens in our biology and in our chemistry, and it is largely driven by our conversations, our inner and outer way of communicating, the language that we use in our own inner stories. So I believe it's never been a more important time to be aware of the inner narrative and how profoundly affects our outer day-to-day life. I think all of us can relate to that. When you're in a bad mood, let's say, there's a whole mm-hmm. conversation going on inside your head. I mean, we mm-hmm. just are brutal with ourselves, right? That inner critic is just going wild. And the more that we're able to become aware enough to see that we're being run by that, we can shift into a different way of relating, and that begins with our communication. Right. Very nice. Now, I know that you had a major health opportunity in 2013 that you've described as the catalyst to your success. What did you discover? Yes, it was interesting. It was Valentine's Day, 2013, and I got a call on my phone And it was a total surprise to me. I had gone to a health checkup, and the call was, I suppose, technically from my doctor letting me know that I had breast cancer. But I 
now see it more as a metaphor. Truly the day I received on Valentine's Day a call from love. It was a call for love for myself. It was a call to really see what was going on in my inner world and the way that I was communicating with myself. So, for instance, at that time, I was largely unaware of how the five major shadow emotions were running me. Those emotions can block us from everything that we want. And those emotions would be anger, fear, resentment, rejection, and guilt. And what I didn't know is really how to work with those emotions. You feel anger, you feel fear, you feel resentment, and you just deal with it the best you can. But no one really teaches us that those five experiences that are totally natural and a dignified part of the human experience are actually meant to be pathways. They are, each five, a message, a communication being sent to us that something really important is going on because they're a direct result of our inner narrative. They actually point us to a pathway to get to our strongest self. Now, when we have no awareness about the story we're telling that's triggering anger, fear, resentment, rejection, guilt, then it just runs us and our biochemistry reacts because they're really, we are body-mind. The mind and body are one. They're not two separate things. So I was doing a really excellent job of practicing steady states of dis-ease. And when we practice steady states of any kind, it could be peace. But at that time, I didn't know that I was practicing dis-ease although I was certainly aware I was stressed, anxious, and irritable a lot of the time. As I ran my busy life, I was extremely successful professional. I was in a marriage I wasn't happy in. I was a parent to two kids and trying to be the best person I could be, but not with a lot of skill. And there are very specific tools that help us see and use anger, for instance, as the pathway to problem solving. It's the pathway to resilience. Once you learn how to do that, once you learn skills and emotional intelligence that help you transform and see the dignity of anger and how it can shift you into a whole new way of relating and being. Wonderful. Glad to hear. So one of the things that you are speaking basically about is developing a stronger sense of yourself. And you do talk about stepping into that strongest self. What is our strongest self? Let's break it down to the simplest terms, the brain. So when we look at our own biology, we learn some really interesting things about how we're running. And our goal here would be to claim more dominion over our own mind so that the center part of the brain, which is where the amygdala, two little almond-shaped nodes in the center of the brain, when they get triggered by stress, anxiety, and irritability, they tend to block our access to the neocortex. The neocortex is that front part of the brain. It's the creative center of the brain. It is the part of the brain where rational thinking comes into play, as well as possibilities. 
What's possible here? So really, it's our key to innovation, thing that happens in our biochemistry and in the brain, is when the amygdala swells, when stress, anxiety, irritability are running us and we don't know how to manage it, it blocks our access to an incredible mechanism in the brain called the hippocampus, which is a little horseshoe. There are two horseshoe-shaped nodes that sit right behind the amygdala. That machinery of the hippocampus craves unknown, novelty, newness. It's resilient. It is literally the part of us that loves change. Now, stress breaks down that machinery, and then we start telling ourselves a really interesting story. The story goes like, I'm not good at change. I don't like change. Change is scary. But not all of that is just a narrative that actually contracts us rather than expands us into that neocortex, if we're just looking at the biology piece. More dominion over our minds is about learning how to work with ourselves when the amygdala is triggered and the stress chemicals are flooding our bodies so that we can calm our nervous system and allow ourselves to access our highest potential from our biochemistry, which shifts everything. Our biochemistry affects our perspective. It affects our vision. We can't even see what other things might be possible, what other perspectives might be available to us when we are really allowing the stress of life to consume and run us unconsciously. I get that. On a personal note, how have you been coping with the incredible shift that's been taking place in the last six months? It's been a really interesting time, for sure. I think for all of us, I mean, it's a profound opportunity from my perspective in some ways. And I was divorced actually four years ago, so I'm also approaching this time as a single person. So personally, it's been really challenging to be so isolated. I have been visited regularly, right, by the experience of loneliness, by the experience of feeling so isolated and so restricted from the things that really brought me joy, including meeting people, dating, interacting. All of us are experiencing that on some level. And at times, to be totally honest, it just took me to my knees. What I can say about how I've worked with myself in those moments is that I have noticed that when I've been taken to my knees with anything in life, and this has been no different, it has given me an opportunity to drop the idea that I know what's going on, that I know how to fix and solve this, and that I have it all figured out right, that ego story of like, I've got this, I'm in control. When in my weakest moments, in those times where I just felt like all that was left was to surrender to the truth that I'm not in control here. Mm -hmm. So it brought me to a place of remembering what am I in control of. So I'm in control of my thoughts right now. And are they serving me or not? Am I in 
self-righteousness, indignation, right? Am I in blame and judgment? Am I mad at the world? Am I mad at God? Am I mad at politics in the world right now? Am I, what am I acting out against? What am I frustrated by? And what am I in a place of in my narrative where I'm saying three things? What should be, I should have, and they ought to. They're thought systems that are a narrative that bring us to a place of our weakest self. And so when I've been in this experience in the last, well, this calendar year nearly, I've noticed when have I slipped into that and become more aware of the story that I've been telling in any of those three areas. What should be right now? What I should have? And who ought to do what? Because those are an opportunity from my perspective to ask myself a simple question. What is this thought, this belief costing me? And what other choice could I make? That's a great, great question. Wow, that's amazing. What's been maybe your biggest takeaway when you have asked that question and came up with your aha, do you recall one particular takeaway that you were like, wow, I get it? I've had several ahas in the last several months, and I certainly would say that this has been a profound opportunity for me personally to trust in a larger story, to trust in a higher intelligence, that does know how to solve the biggest problems in the world. And that higher intelligence, let's call it love. You can call it synonym is God, isn't it right? But love can be somewhat universal in our understanding. In my experience, love is in charge here, and I am not. So in those moments where I've really surrendered to trusting life, to trusting love, I've started to see that perhaps the only opportunity here is for me to become more loving myself. Sure. And I look out in the world and I see, even just in the last few days, what's going on with COVID and what's going on in our presidential debates and what's really occurring right now. To me, it is an opportunity to just use it as a mirror. What is left for me to heal in myself that I'm seeing here? I'm seeing self-righteousness. Okay. How do we heal the dis-ease practice of self-righteousness? We've all felt it. We all know what that's like. Let's not pretend we haven't. So all I can do and control is in my own mindset, my own experience of myself, my own interaction with others. How can I choose love here and shift in my experience of self-righteousness? What's the lie I'm telling myself when I feel self-righteous? So I've really used it as a spiritual practice that has brought about ahas by the sheer inquiry The asking of any question does something profound in the brain. It immediately calms the amygdala, the limbic system, 
the stress chemicals of the brain, and it opens up our strongest self, our neocortex, the part of the brain that loves questions, that is involved in being curious about life and the world, is the neocortex. And it is immediately put online when we ask ourselves a question. So getting curious has been one of my big ahas through this. Beautiful. I love that. Are there any upcoming projects, events that you're working on that you'd like to share with our audience? Well, one of the things that came out of the last few years, I'm turning into an online course, and it's a little tongue and cheek, but it's a course called Gratitude for Jerks. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, whether I'm being the jerk or there are other people in life that I might be perceiving as jerks, I used my own life as a lab and my work with clients in a variety of different personal and professional situations from divorce to stressful work climate to toxicity in relationships and created a course, yeah, called Gratitude for the Jerks. And it's really how to use the most challenging people in our lives and the most challenging experiences, a pathway to our own upliftment and growth. I'll be offering that in November. Okay, and could you give us a date and a website that individuals can get more information on that? You can actually see an overview of the course and a free guide that you can download at pivot, P-I-V-O-T, incorporated.com, slash free dash gift. And that's for your listeners here. November 20th is the launch date I'm looking at. Beautiful. Looking forward to that. Thank you so much. You were just an absolute delight, and we really appreciated your energy and what you brought to the space. So we want to thank you. And please be well and take good care of yourself. Thank you, Sister Jenna. Deep bow for everything that you're doing and the energy of love that you're contributing to the world. Thank you so much. All the very best. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, I hope everybody took some jewels from Heather's conversation because it was really very meaningful, very simple, very open, very powerful. I know I did. So for more information on her work, go to pivot, P-I-V-O-T-I-N-C-O-R-P-O-R-A-T-E-D, incorporated.com. Well, as we come to the close, remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. So let's turn up the volume on that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Here is Vibrations of Love, a new track that has been released from myself and Ricky Cage. And you can get it on Spotify if you'd like. But also we have a new album that's going to be released as well. Looking forward to that. Be well, everyone. Take care.
vibrations of love. And some say love is a verb. But much deeper than that, love is a vibration. It is that energy that stirs the soul and opens up the heart. Vibrations of love call out to the divine that connects us with the beauty of life and the oneness of it all. I need not to say it with words, although it is always nice to hear, but greater still is to feel it. Vibrations of love lift me higher and I fill the empty spaces within the soul. It is the divine in its purest essence. It is me at the height of my being. I am vibrations of love. Sister Jenna, you've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or in iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.